Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Academy Award winner Gina Davis on Thelma and Louise, The Fly, and her work on gender equality. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Very excited to say, yes, Gina Davis, Oscar winner, um, true film icon. She's been in so many of my favorite films. Uh, First time guest on Happy, Sad, Confused today. And as I said to her, um, you know, I could have three different conversations with her. I could have the conversation about, you know, certain specific films, the the, the macro career. Like, she's really has been in a half dozen Stone Cold classics. And then there's this other side of her, uh, especially in the last 15 years since she started the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media, which is this wonderful uh, organization that um, is really studying, you know, what we all know to be true, which is that there's this massive inequality uh, in front of and behind the camera um, when it comes to film and TV. And she's done such uh, remarkable work there. Um, she started her own film festival, the Bentonville, Bentonville Film Festival. Um, she has this new documentary that she's the executive producer of called This Changes Everything. Um, she's really helping make strides in an industry that needs, that needs somebody um, to fight the good fight. And that's certainly what she's been doing for a long while now. So uh, uh, just on that aspect of her career, it was a thrill to have her here. But also as you know, as you guys know, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, and she was uh, in so many of my favorite films of that time. Um, whether it's you know her film debut in Tootsie, Beetlejuice, A League of Their Own, Thelma and Louise, The Fly. I mean, The Long Kiss Goodnight, as I told her, is one of my favorites, an underrated classic. Um, There was a lot to talk to her about, and she was a delight. I'm so thrilled to get to know her today, and I think you guys will as well. Um, We cover a lot in this chat. other things I want to mention before we get into the main the main event today, uh, a couple cool smaller films are opening this week, uh, at least in New York, and I think on VOD, and they'll start to spread around that you should look out for. Um, and, and I'm doing some 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 fun Q and A's for each of these films, so I especially want to give them a little bit of love. Uh, first up is a film opening this Friday called The Peanut Butter Falcon that stars our buddy Shia LaBeouf, uh, Dakota Johnson, and a young man named Zach uh, Gotsigan. Uh, Zach uh, is a young man with Down syndrome who is the lead of this film. And it's like a touching, uh, sweet story, a Mark Twain-esque journey for these three characters um, that is unlike anything you'll see in in cinemas this year. And it's if it doesn't move you and touch you and make you feel a little bit more alive, then there might be something more wrong with you than the film. So I highly recommend that one. I'm doing a, a nice little uh, a Q&A for, for Shia and the gang uh, here in New York tonight. So excited to see those guys and support that film. Also, a movie called Love Antosha, which is a another really touching uh, film. This one, much different. It's a documentary about Anton Yelchin, 
Uh, Anton, as you probably know, passed away a few years ago in a tragic accident and really made his mark in a short time on this planet as a as a, uh, a unique spirit and a, and a very talented actor, um, probably most well known for his roles in the role in the Star Trek films, but also in films like like Crazy and Green Room. He was really an actor that always popped off the big screen and um, and a real life force on and off of it. And this is a, a great doc that I saw back in Sundance. Uh, and I just want to mention it because it, it, it is a, a smaller uh, work that might otherwise come and go. But um, it's well worth seeing. And I'm actually doing uh, some Q&As with the filmmakers behind it um, this Saturday at the Quad Cinema. Um, I think I'm doing the 7 o'clock show and I want to say the 4.45 p.m. I think we're doing Q&As after each of those. So come on out to the Quad. Uh, go see uh, Love Antosha. And uh, you can see me talk to the filmmakers afterwards. Come say hi. Um, two smaller films to mention. And also uh, support this this film that we're talking about today with Gina. This Changes Everything is the new doc that is really an extension of all of her work. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating look at the gender disparity uh, on and off screen in media, but also very entertaining and, and interesting because it, it has a rogues gallery of like the greatest actors on the planet right now, including Gina and Meryl Streep, and the, and the list goes on and on. They're all involved in this. So check that out. It's in theaters on Friday. It's also on VOD this Friday. So uh, a lot of cool films. You know, it might be the dog days of summer, but especially these smaller films are finding a little, a little window, a little, little place to uh to find their niche so go support them support independent cinema uh and and yeah see hobbs and shaw too because we got to support our guy Dwayne. um i actually haven't seen it yet but i'm looking forward to it i'm behind guys a lot going on uh other stuff to mention i don't know some cool podcast guests coming up i don't want to jinx them some new folks one one actor i've never spoken to before on the podcast that i'm particularly excited for an actress another living legend that should be coming up soon. Anyway, that's the tease for today. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Gina. One technical note, this happens ever so rarely. This happened like I can hand on one hand really two or three times in the podcast history. Uh, there was a mechanical failure of some kind with the the, the main the way we record the podcast. Um, so that failed at a certain point early on in, in the in the taping. Luckily, I always have a backup going. So we're melding those two together. You might notice the quality kind of changes uh, five, ten minutes into the conversation. It's still totally listenable if that's a word, uh, still will totally work for you. Just not up to the usual, uh, audio quality that I try to, uh, get here. So apologies for that. It happens. Uh, technology. And there might be like a little gap in the conversation, but I, I think it'll be relatively seamless. Hopefully the conversation will flow. The important thing is guys, it's Gina Davis. She's an Oscar winner. She's amazing. She's made some amazing movies. Let's listen to her together. Okay. Here's Gina. I'm very honored to have Gina Davis. Gina, call me Gina. Gina, uh, it's great to meet you. <laughs> Thank um, I've, you. I've been a fan for so long, and this is a this is a big deal. You're up to so many exciting things. So, Thank a lot you. to cover. Excellent. Uh, this was a good excuse for me to. Um, watched The Long Kiss Goodnight just last night with my wife, introduced her to that. So thank you for that. Oh, great, 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 great. What'd she think? She liked it. She was into it. Yeah, oh, yeah, good, yeah. Good. Um, yeah, what percentage of the conversation should be devoted to The Long Kiss Goodnight? Exactly. Well, <laughs> we've got some important stuff to cover, too. Some but new stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you'll indulge me, though, can we can we start at the beginning and then we'll kind of come all yes. the way up? Okay. Sure. Okay. So it's interesting because obviously, like, 
I could spend 45 minutes with you just talking about your work with the Institute the last 15 years. And, and I could spend hours and hours talking to you about any number of your films. <laughs> um, it, are the seeds of both of those pursuits like in your childhood, you think? Do you see, like when you look back to the way you were brought up, like does the acting bug and kind of this pursuit of uh, this activism pursuit, are they both there? Uh, uh, no, the acting definitely was. Because yeah. um, uh, supposedly I told my parents when I was three that I wanted to be uh, an actor in movies. And I, I don't know, I don't remember that. I don't know what I saw that made me think this is a job that you right. can have or something. But uh, but that that never changed. The only other career... I slightly um, uh, thought about was wrapping packages at a <laughs> presents at a department store. Sure. I was fascinated by that. Uh, <laughs> Have and, you stuck with and, that? Or are you a good rapper? I thought rapper? I would be good. At, oh, I'm very good at it. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm not a professional. No, leave that to the pros. <laughs> right, uh, but uh, uh, yeah. So that was always there. Um, you know, no, I didn't. I didn't predict that I would get so heavily into, um, uh, you know, uh, advocacy and, and and like that. Um, back then, I, that wasn't part of my childhood or, or yeah. anything. I'm, you know, I felt passionately about stuff, but I, I didn't picture myself being, uh, uh, you know, trying to lead any effort or anything like that. What, what did it mean to you? I mean, did the word feminism? The, even enter into your lexicon as a kid? Well, yes, in a in a bad way. Um, uh, my parents subscribed to Reader's Digest magazine, which I always read, and there was some article in the early 70s uh, about how feminism is this horrible thing that's ruining the world. And I read it, I had never heard that word before, and all I thought was, oh, this is a horrible thing to be, and... I'll make sure I'm never that, whatever it is, because it was definitely about women being something that was really bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, I, I had no introduction to those concepts. But, uh, you know, I, my dad was very um, uh, uh, I guess, well, he, he he introduced me to so much, you know, you know, he was very, very handy. He built things and fixed everything and, and right. uh, very, very um, uh, crafty that way. And he included me all the time in the stuff he was doing. We're going to go shingle the roof. Let's go right. come w with us and help me fix the car and stuff. So, uh, so I grew up feeling quite competent right. in certain things. And, uh, and so... I had a kind of self-assuredness about that I would be able to do things if I needed to do them. You also, I mean, I, I presume you were pretty tall from the start. Oh, I was way tall from the very beginning, <laughs> yes. So did that, because that can go one of two ways and maybe both ways. It can empower somebody as right. a kid yeah. or it can make them feel like the odd man or woman out. Oh, yeah, I was definitely the odd woman out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was very tall always and... Uh, uh, very self-conscious about it. Um, my mother would not let me uh, slump. You know, I had to have really good posture. But, um, but uh, yeah, I felt uh, felt bad about it. In fact, my favorite children's book was a picture book 
was about a princess who was only one foot tall. And uh, I read it over and over, the pictures of her being so little. and a dream for you. My dream. <laughs> if I oh, could only be tiny. The grass is always greener, as we know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, the, the war being that at three, you, you, you talked about wanting to pursue this to your parents. I mean, what do you, were you, as you recall yourself as a kid, were you like a theatrical kid? Were you a big personality? Like, what do you think you were chasing as a kid? Oh, that's it. You know, I wasn't really a big personality. I was pretty shy. I was quite shy, in fact, uh, as a kid. And I kind of only did stuff um, in private or with my best friend. We were always putting on shows in her basement. Uh, and and her mother, we'd force her mother to watch. But it wasn't like I want to show off when people, you know, my mom would make me play the piano when relatives came over right. or something, and I so didn't want to do anything <laughs> like that. Um, I was very uh, shy about standing out in any way. But it was sort of like, well, I'm going to do this later. I'm going to grow up and do this. Yeah. And, and not, you know, I wasn't in the drama club and stuff like that. So, okay, so by the time, and jumping, this is uh, admittedly jumping a ways ahead, but like you, you land in New York after yes. school. Yes. So by then, okay, when you come to New York City, yeah. where are you at? Like, where's the self confidence? What's the dream? Does New York open you with open, uh, welcome you with open arms? Like, give me a sense of sort of uh, what Gina Davis landing in New York City, what's her life? Right. What's she like? Well, the goofy thing was, um, I made it very clear at Boston University when I was uh, majoring in acting that uh, I wanted to be in movies. And it was so much focus on theater. It was really all about theater at that point. Um, And nobody ever said, by the way, if you want to be in movies, you should probably go to L.A. when you graduate. Yeah, theaters, New York, New York theater, totally, yeah. So all my classmates were coming to New York, so I came to New York with them. Uh, But I had a scheme for how I would get into movies because I really I had no uh, no interest whatsoever in trying to audition for plays or anything um, so my idea was that uh, I would try to become a model first because at that time it seemed like Lauren Hutton and Christy Brinkley were in movies sure. and I thought oh well they, if you're a model they just offer you movies mm-hmm. so uh, that'll work out because <laughs> it's so easy to become a supermodel yeah. you know I'll just bang that out and then uh, how, uh, how quickly did work come, though? Because you did. That's what. Ha- that's where you started. I did. I became a model. Um, uh, it took. It took maybe uh, a, a year or so. I, I worked at Ann Taylor on mm-hmm. Fifth Avenue, and uh, and I was uh, worked in restaurants, but uh, at the River Cafe. The the, the famous oh, uh, story I've heard. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that you went up for SNL at one point? Yes. Yeah. I wanted to join the cast, and uh, I sent a video, and I was already working, you know, I was already, um, my career had started, uh, but I really wanted to do it, and and it was the year that uh, uh, Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal and uh, and Harry Shearer were on the show, I think that was just one year they yeah. were there, but, um, so they said, all right, we'll meet with them, and it, and it was out in L.A., and uh, <clears throat> so we went to lunch, and... Um, and Christopher Guest is incredibly deadpan, yes. as you may have heard. He's yes. just, you know, like uh, Buster Keaton. You know, it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> and uh, and we sat there, and they they were literally saying things like, "So what's funny about you? Oh God, <laughs> what do you what do you find funny?" And it's just like we weren't having a you know 
conversation, getting to know each other. It was just, you know, tell us what, why you think you're funny and stuff. And it was the, awful. Literally the worst possible question in that. <laughs> and then uh, when Harry Shearer was really sweet and he felt very empathetic and he leaned over and said, just shove a carrot up your nose. <laughs> uh, it's too You could see that it was just such an awkward situation. Oh, no. But anyway, but that, so that didn't happen. So, um, but what did happen, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't start a film career with a, a better kind of a film than, than Tootsie. So, right? I mean, Sidney Pollack. Right. Legend, Dustin Hoffman, Bill Murray. I mean. Oh, my God. It's insane. Um, so, presumably, you, uh, you had an awareness of that, too. Like, you land that, oh. you're like, oh, I just hit the jackpot. Oh, my God. I so knew that. In fact, uh, it was my first audition, and uh, they had called my model agency to see if they were if they had any models who could also act, and they said, yeah, we have one. So, uh, uh, but, so I did the audition just, you know, with the assistant casting director and put it on video, and I never thought about it again because what are the odds right. on your first audition? <laughs> Get to do scenes with Dustin Hoffman. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, uh, so yeah. So it was an utter shock <laughs> to be cast. Did you, did you did you see the tension between Sydney and, and Dustin? That's a famously like fraught relationship, from what I hear. Yeah, I mean, not really. No, really? no. They, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it didn't show on the set. And and I was there every day. Oh wow. Okay. Because because nobody told me you don't have to come every day. <laughs> But by virtue of that, you probably saw a lot. I certainly. saw a lot. I learned so much. I would, every day I would go and get Did anybody my... at some point say, like, by the way, you don't have to be here? No. <laughs> I think they must have assumed I wanted to be there or something. But every day I'd get my chair and put it right next to Sydney. Wow. And sit next to him all day. The best. And he was happy with it. And, uh, <laughs> um, it so the rest. In, in the wake of, of, of Tootsie, are, do opportunities immediately start to, yeah. to happen for you? Yeah. Because of that... Uh, I met Dabney Coleman, and then um, he recommended me for <clears throat> the TV show Buffalo Bill that sure. he was getting ready to do. So I immediately moved out to L.A. and and started working. So here's another one I, I read. Did you were you up for uh, Sarah Connor Terminator around? No. Then? Okay, that's not true. That's not true. Okay, okay, no, okay. No, you, this you, some crazy list on like Rotten Tomatoes or somewhere or IMDb where it lists all these movies I turned down. I'm like, oh my god, I would have had to be <laughs> insane. To turn those movies down. You, you got your, your badass uh, yeah. characters uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, we, we can't cover everything, but okay, so jumping around a little bit, I, I consider, honestly, The Fly is like a top 20 movie for me of all time. It's, it's kind of a perfect movie. Wow, thank you. Um, and I think it, it, it owes to two main factors for me. It's 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 Cronenberg's, obviously, expert direction yes. in the world he creates. Yes. It's also just like the the seriousness of which you and Jeff are treating this material. Mm -hmm. Because in other hands, like, it can be, like, a little hokey. Right. But you are acting your hearts out. Like, right. it is uh, the tragedy of all time. Right. right. And that's why it's, like, so emotional by the end, even though, like, he's covered in the most insane prosthetics you've ever seen. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, we did. We took it incredibly seriously and, and figured, you know, this was a tragic sort of operatic uh, love story and, yeah. and uh, took it very seriously. There was a lot of talk about uh, Jeff was going to be the first horror star nominated for an Oscar at been. that time. Yeah, I really should have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so, and, and I, I read also that you, so you obviously, you work with, you, you, you marry Rennie later on. Were you and Rennie Harlan working on a sequel at one point? 
to the fly? Was there a treatment called flies? Rainy? No, no. Rainy was never involved in that. Okay. No, I, I came up with an idea for a sequel to the fly uh, called Flies. Because I end the movie still pregnant. Yes. And uh, uh, I figured, so what if I have twins and... Uh-oh, a little later, around puberty or so, one of them starts to turn. What are we going to do? Um, and, uh, and actually, Fox, um, at that time, loved the idea. And uh, I think we even got a script. I know I wrote a treatment for it, but, uh, but it never happened. Because there was a sequel. Which was not so great, yeah. Which was not so great. So, but they told me, I, the producer of the first one called and said, we're making a sequel. I was like, oh my God, that's so great. This, <laughs> wow, you know, I'm going to get to be in the sequel. And they sent me the script and they said, we definitely want you, need you to oh, be in no. it. Send me the script. <laughs> and on page two, I bleed out and die. I was like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> are you kidding me? Well, might have been. They should have done flies, clearly. Yes. Um, Tim Burton, Beetlejuice. Tim had not done that much. Like, he had done Pee Wee, right. basically, feature wise. Of course. Yes. But, like, as I understand, and this happens a few times in your career from what I gather, where you're kind of like the first one to sign on on a few major projects mm. that kind of I think it happened on Thelma and Louise and some other things. Um, was it just Pee Wee and meeting with Tim that you were like, yeah, I'm going to go on this crazy journey, like, this guy's got something? Well, yes, but also the script. I, I loved it. I loved it. And, uh, Tim tells this story, but um, when I met with him, evidently I said, uh, I get this movie. I just, I totally get this. And he thought, I don't really get it completely myself, so I'm, I'm gonna, at least I'll have one person on this set who, who <laughs> thinks they know what it's about. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Accidental, Accidental Tourist, of course, changes your life uh, in an amazing way, too. You win the Oscar for that one, working right. with Larry Kasdan and this amazing oh, yeah. cast. Yeah. Um, does that, what you, I would imagine, like, so as the years go by, like, do you look back on that? Like, does it get more surreal? That, like, oh, that happened to me. Like, do, like, like. Oh, yeah. So surreal. Like, there so must be a separation from the event. Like, you see the right. pictures, like, oh, that was me at that. It, it really is uh, unbelievable, some of the stuff that happened. And, and that, too, you know, I was reading that book. While we were making the fly, yeah. and uh, and I was immediately mad because I knew they're probably going to make a movie out, out of this, and I'm going to be so mad at the person who gets to play Muriel. Like, not even think, well, or maybe it'll be me. You know, it's just like, oh, this is the best part ever, and I'm oh so bummed that it even exists and then then it was me it was incredible amazing yeah. amazing it's so funny because like yeah looking at the sequence then I don't know if it was the next film but like pretty soon after you're in a film that I really adore that um, uh, kind of bombed at the time this quick change quick change I know. is a very underrated movie what the heck it's, I, it's, it's and as a New Yorker as a born bred New Yorker like it's like of that time like right. one of like the great New York comedies I it shows know. off New York and it's it's for those that don't know it's you and it's Bill Murray it's Randy Quaid and it's Bill directing co-directing right? which is fascinating right I, I love that film and I also thought it was really funny and uh, I was 
really surprised that because everything Bill Murray was in was like gold, you know, yeah. and uh, and it was a legitimately funny movie. It wasn't like yeah. you didn't have the goods. No, 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 exactly. So yeah, I was really bummed about that. I was like, all right, here comes a big really dollar movie. <laughs> well, and then of course the the way Hollywood is, it comes in the unlikeliest of places where something like Thelma and Louise, which there's no template for, right? Like on paper, that's not the movie that should have become a phenomenon. Oh no, no, I know, and that's the thing. People, I think, assume that we knew we were making something that would strike a nerve or that that was our intention. Yeah. And it was the furthest thing from our minds. I mean, nobody, the writer, nobody thought it was going to cause a spark like it, like it did. And then it's funny because you, you it's that and a league of their own, mm-hmm. like pretty much back to back for mm-hmm. you. And if you look at those two films, I think it's like those two and basically Glow, which you've just done, which are like the, the probably the only female led Ensemble films you or projects you've ever done, right? And that's striking. Yeah, I mean, this starts to dovetail into kind of the reason right. you're here, which is this documentary. Right. But it's fascinating too because Thelma and Louise phenomenon, League of Their Own, like a ginormous summer blockbuster. Right. And yet, dot dot dot. Right. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, right. So at the time, were you aware of like that disconnect? Like, were you? Were you confused by that, or is it only in retrospect as the years go by, like, oh yeah, like that didn't really beget other projects like that? Right. Well, yeah, that took a little while to notice because, uh, like you said, everything in the press and everywhere was like, this is a whole new era. Yeah. Um, it's it's all changed now. I think they call at the Academy Awards in '92 or something. They called it the Year of the Woman. Um, right. And uh, so, you know, I think those movies might have had something to do with that. And um, and I believed what everybody was saying, that this is now going to, you know, usher in a whole new era. And uh, I was very excited about that, like, yay. Um, so that means I'll get more great parts like these, yeah. and, uh, and it's all going to be fixed. And then it, it was, it was sort of, it was sort of through being interviewed that I... Um, finally picked up on what was actually happening because um, those uh, after those movies or even when we were on the set doing interviews for League of Their Own um, everybody would at some point ask so things are changing now for women aren't they? Things are getting better and I'd be like yeah (laughs) Uh, and then a couple of years later I was like well you know I'm I'm not Sure, but uh, it seems like it, and I'm getting some really great parts, so sure. I think things are probably improving. And until, you know, five years, ten years go by, and I realize, oh my God, nothing's changed. And other movies have come out that were supposed to change everything yeah. and didn't. Like First Wives Club was yep. very heralded as the new era coming in, um, because now women 50 were going to get right. all these jobs. And even the ones in the movie didn't get all these jobs. Well, and it's funny, too. You know, this has been pointed out. It's pointed out, I think, in the doc, too. Like, this... A, a key part of the problem, it seems to me, is, like, women get one time at bat. And if it, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't work for a female director, they'll go to director jail. Right. Where, for a guy, you can fail upwards right. endlessly, right. seemingly. Right. Yeah. And that seemingly applies, too, even... Um, you know, a, a female ensemble film that doesn't work for whatever reason, for a myriad of reasons, sorry, we'll mm-hmm. see you in 10 years, we'll try it again in 10 mm-hmm. years, as opposed to just going right back to mm-hmm. it. 
it's also striking to me, like, okay, looking at, like, the arc of your career, it's, like, almost out of a Hollywood script. Like, you you work with Rennie a couple times, you do these big action movies, you do Long Kiss Night. around then you turn 40, mm-hmm. and then it's, like, a Hollywood script. It's, like, she's 40. Yeah. Let's turn off the spigot. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so... Again, like, are you were you too close to it at the time to kind of realize that? Like, did you see the scripts drying up very quickly, or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It really because you know you hear about that phenomenon. Well, once you pass four, you know, and uh, it wasn't roughly true. It was literally true. Yeah. yeah. As soon as there was a four in front of my age, it, everything changed, and. Uh, uh, yeah, that was horrifying. I was sure that wasn't going to happen. Did you feel, like, in retrospect, that there was anything you could have done to change tactic? Because then you start to kind of, like, shift gears. You start to do a lot more TV. Um, was it just market forces that, like, you can't... You're, you're at the whim of, right. of unfortunately, other yeah. forces. You know, you really, unless you can write things for yourself or, you know, a lot of... Um, uh, powerful women in Hollywood are now have their own production companies and uh, are very successful creating things for themselves. But um, but not having that, uh, you're just at the mercy of what comes your way. Yeah. And all you have power over is choosing between things you're offered. And it wasn't like I was offered nothing, but sure. nothing was any good. I mean, after the kinds of parts I played. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I, I wasn't about to lower my expectations profoundly. Right. Uh, I always say that um, that I can uh, I can only be this fussy because I can afford to wait. And if you ever see that I'm um, signed on to play like Sean Connery's comatose wife in something, <laughs> which is about the right Hollywood age difference, right. uh, then everyone will know that I'm broke. <laughs> That's the, the the Michael Caine needs a beach house Jaws syndrome. Right. Um, the okay. So so uh, coming up to, to to more of the reason you hear the stock and your pursuits with the Gina Davis Institute. So you you launched this. Correct me wrong. Two thousand four. Yeah. Very much tied also to um, starting a family and, and and seeing kind of like pop culture through the eyes of your daughter. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. So Excellent. what what are, you, what are you seeing then, and what sparks? What, what's the first spark of of creating this institute? What's the mission at the start? Uh, it was the very first thing I showed my daughter when she was a toddler. I, I thought, oh, she's almost two. Let's sit down and watch a preschool show, and uh, and within minutes, I was like, wait a minute, how many? female characters are on this show and uh, and um, it was wildly imbalanced profoundly imbalanced and then I started noticing it in in lots of things I mean there obviously were some preschool shows that are gender balanced Teletubbies are okay so you can't tell yes that makes uh, sense <laughs> uh, but uh, but it was not at all the norm and, uh, and then there were movies the first movie I showed a video wildly profoundly imbalanced and I was like this is crazy what are we doing I just assumed which I think everybody does that kids entertainment is harmless or sometimes researched and carefully thought of you know when it's preschool shows and uh, um, and I was stunned so uh, none of my friends noticed what I was noticing my feminist Friends with daughters were like appalled to learn um, this and, and say, "Oh my God, you're right." So then I started bringing it up um, 
I have meetings all the time in the, in the industry, with directors or studio execs, whoever, and I would say, have you ever noticed how few female characters there are in movies made for kids? And every single person said, no, 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 that's not true anymore. Yeah. That's been fixed. And we helped fix it because we care about it. You know, they, were, they weren't saying, eh, who cares? They were like, this is, we care about this so much and we know we've fixed it. And that, that's one of the striking things in this, this doc, which is excellent, and you're an executive producer on, and it features like every major female actress you the last 30 years probably right. uh, in it, is is the realization that it's not gotten better, it's gotten worse. Yeah. Like, like it's it, it, things were better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Which is shocking. And I, I think it's also a very a, a smart tactic, what you guys do in the film, and in that there's kind of two ways you can approach this stuff. It's like on an emotional level, like this kind of anecdotal stuff, which is hugely powerful to see little girls talking about seeing Wonder Woman and et cetera, and that, yeah. that really hits you. But just as much, if not more so, is the data. Yes. Is the stats. Yeah. And this movie and your and your work is just like, is just dripping with the, the data. Right. And that's just, you can't argue with. Right. Well, right. Maybe in 2019 you can, when apparently <laughs> facts don't matter. But right. <laughs> I would argue they do. Um, what what are the stats that, that, that jump out at you that that you post to people that, that turn their heads around? Uh, well... From the beginning of my, you know, the reason I launched my institute was to get data because I realized that people are not seeing this problem, which I think is profoundly important. Like, why would we train kids to have unconscious gender bias from minute one? You know, what what on earth are we doing that for? Yeah. Um, So, uh, so it was that it was the data which was able to, uh, that changed everything. So so I wanted it specifically to be able to go directly to the creators and say, I know you didn't know this, but what do you think? And can we do better? And uh, and it really works because they're horrified. They really didn't know. And so it was very unconscious. Um, but uh, for other aspects of the industry, like uh, particularly behind the camera, the data doesn't work because everybody knows it already. You know? Right. For decades, everybody have known has known how few female directors there are. Right. You know, and it's it's uh, it's like four percent now, which right. is you can't even no, it's, it's, you can't even take it in. Yeah, four like percent. <laughs> right. When half of film schools are female now, so um, that's an embarrassment. That's a global embarrassment. Have you ever been on a film set where it's been approaching 50-50 in terms of crew? No. Oh, God, no. Never. Not even... Uh, I don't think even like 10%. Yeah. Real oh, Except Glow, which is very heavily populated right. by women, obviously on screen, but behind the, behind the scenes as well. Definitely that crew is... is you know, over fifty, I'm sure. Does does being in, in in this work for the last fifteen years like make you? I would imagine it makes you go back and, and reflect differently on a lot of things on the, the representation or lack thereof that you saw growing up for yourself. Right. On the way characters were described in scripts that you saw. Yes. I mean, you lucked out for, uh, <laughs> yeah. much more than a lot of actors. True. Um, but even so, I'm sure right. you. The, 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 descript- the descriptions for the female characters were a lot yeah. less uh, substantial, to exactly. say the least. Exactly. So, yeah, does anything strike you? Like, yeah, you know, looking back, like reevaluating 
um, like were you exposed like how what you were exposed to as a kid in terms of representation or lack thereof or oh well you know we didn't we didn't go to movies much in my family we only could see until I left home uh, only could see Disney movies right so when a new Disney movie came out the family would go but uh, but that's all we saw uh, you know we watched a lot of TV but um, but there weren't characters that I like. Well, I want to be like that, or, yeah. or that we, I wanted to pretend to be, play, or dress up like, or anything like that. But, uh, but definitely I noticed when I was actually working and looking at scripts and, and looking at parts, I really noticed how few there were that I wanted to play that uh, they got to do anything. You know, yeah. it was so often the girlfriend of the person having the experience and I wanted to be the baseball player instead and and so I turned down so much um, because I didn't I didn't even think I could be good at a part that wasn't colorful in some way yeah. oh I know what I was going to tell you that that there were a few times where I thought well I'll meet with the director and see if I can convince him him to um, <laughs> Make the part, you know. I, I have yeah. an, a way that this could be more substantial, and uh, uh, nobody ever wanted to go for that. It happened even even less than a year ago. Wow! Um, but uh, nobody's ever wanted to go for that, and some people just looked at me blankly, like it's inconceivable to even like. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Change it? What? <laughs> well, okay, let's 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 look at the positive and the negative in recent years. Like, what's the what's been the easiest part to shift? Like, what's 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 the most progress you see, that you've seen made in the last five years, say? And what's the hardest part to to right. shift? Uh, well, definitely um, on screen in kids entertainment is is the easiest. Somehow I managed to latch onto the thing that's the absolute lowest hanging fruit um, because. People didn't know about it at all, and the data uh, is very, very convincing to yep. them. And they want to do right by kids, so it has all that going for it. And when you know we uh, we've seen the impact that we've had, um, and it's going. You know, I wanted it to happen like overnight, <laughs> but um, but it is it is happening. So that that's I think I'm sure that's the first thing that's going to go. Yeah. Um, uh, on screen in general in all movies I think is still the easiest because because uh, you don't have to uh, there's no arc you have to go through you don't have to sneak up on it the very next movie you make can be gender balanced right so you know, it's not a systemic it's, thing it's just like right yeah right I mean it, it, it seems systemic because it's all that happens but um, but so that could be fixed the hardest is going to be, I think the hardest is going to be directors um, and, and uh, obviously cinematographers and composers yeah. and are all in the low single digits. Uh, producers and, and um, writers are a little better and they slowly creep up. And, and TV is doing a better job. Yeah. You know, there definitely are more. Female Seemingly in all aspects of representation, yeah. TV's been much more yeah. progressive. On screen and behind, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I guess the hope is, I mean, you mentioned like the, the stat of like what you said in film schools, it's 50%, basically, that yeah. there is a trickle down that if we're, that we're seeing it in. 
Right. Right. I mean, you know, you've yeah. heard this story before, so I'm sure I can understand yeah. why you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly. That's who I am now. I'm the, I'm the I'll believe it when I can measure it. Right. Yeah. Has, this, has this pursuit, this part of your life, affected your acting work, like in terms of people offering you jobs? Does, does, does it have an adverse or positive effect on the way you're perceived, you think, in the business as an actor? Well, that's, you know, that's interesting because I don't, want it to people to think well now she's doing that yeah and and uh, I, I profoundly have not given up my day job uh, and uh, uh, you know that's still the that's my bread and butter that's what I yeah. care about that's what I love so um, I would definitely love to be doing more of that but I don't think it's the reaction we get is so positive everywhere we go and and studios have all you know, asked us over and over, please come back, please do more research, please help us. So um, I think I actually have a pretty positive um, image around town, but uh, but I make a point, whenever we give a presentation, I say, uh, now let me ask you guys a question. When is my next when is my next <laughs> Warner Brothers movie? I mean, come on. Yeah. It's about time. Let's yeah. go. And they laugh and I say, seriously. No, seriously. Let's no, get right no, down to no, it. No, seriously. You know when I say change some characters to female, I mean for me. <laughs> Let's start with me and At then... At some point, this has to directly benefit me. Right. This much effort into it, you know. Yeah. Look, everything else is rebooted. All I'm saying is long kiss goodnight. Right. I've had, so in all seriousness, I've interviewed Sam Jackson many times over the years, and it's like the part he always talks about wanting to come back to. I know. I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, my God. Have you ever read a treatment and anything from Shane or anybody, like an idea for a continuation? No, Nothing. No. no. I would love to. We, and we hoped that we would make a sequel. I mean, we made him live at the end. Yeah. He can't, yeah, he, he, originally he wasn't, be, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you are up to a lot of cool things. So you're in Glow, the new season. Yes. Congratulations on that. That's a great company Thank to be a part of. Oh, yeah. Um, you're also in, I don't know much about this, but I love Jessica Chastain. Oh, yeah. Can you say anything about that? It's Eve, I think? Eve is called, and uh, 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 I can't say a lot about it, but it's, it's, a, it's a sort of action movie and um, a thriller, and, um, and I play her mother. Okay. Uh, although I'm profoundly too young. <laughs> to be Jessica Chastain's mother, which she readily acknowledges. <laughs> she I, was apologizing all over the place, I assume. Well, I made her. <laughs> you pressured I, the apology. I forced her to Let's say, do the math, Jess, yeah, just so you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but it's cool, and it has, um, you know, John Malkovich and oh, cool. um, um, my boyfriend, Colin Farrell. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so I was doing a... a, a so I forget why I was doing this, but I was meeting with the Golden Globes folks yeah. and uh, talking about different things, and they asked about that movie. And uh, and I said that. I said, my boyfriend, Colin Farrell. And then one of the guys came up afterwards and said, you know, Colin Farrell's a really good friend of mine. And I just texted him <laughs> that you said he's your boyfriend. <laughs> And he texted back, well, I, I'm very fond of Gina Davis. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm dying now. I'm dying. He is the most charming man on the oh planet. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was just on the podcast recently, and I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, he's, he's the best. Um, and we and we need to get you into one of these Marvel or DC films. Oh, my God, I know yes. you've talked about this. I'm awful. I mean, I'm sure many people would oh. just lose their minds to see you in that context. Awesome. 
No, yes. truly. People should write in. <laughs> Have you ever met with any of those, like the Marvel DC folks for any of these projects? Has it come close to happening? Uh, not about a specific project, no. Yeah. But in general, I mean, well, we meet with everybody. Yeah. We, we meet with everybody. But uh, I, think, I think they know that I would be... Yeah. Really, really up for it. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll make it happen. If we can yeah, help secret that into the universe, then... I'm a badass. I need to be in a badass part. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, look at her body of work. She's done it before. She can do it again. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, as you can tell, I, I, I have such reverence for your work, and you, you've been a big part of, of the films that I love in the 80s and 90s up through now, and, and the fact that you're doing this great work. We should also mention you're getting the Gene Herschelt Award from the Academy, which is... A huge honor. Oh, I'm um, excited about that. That'll that'll go nicely on the mantle next to the the Oscar. Exactly. Pretty cool. Yep. Um, thanks so much for coming in today, and good luck on the uh, on the new doc. Uh, this changes everything. Everybody should check it out. It's in theaters. It's Friday, but it's also on VOD. So um, yeah, check it out. Great. Thanks, Jane. Right. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks. And so ends another edition of Happy Sad confused remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm a big podcast person i'm daisy ridley and i definitely wasn't pressured to do this by josh <laughs>